The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. And TheGorillaPosition.com, telling the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Welcome to another episode of Turnbuckle Talk, powered by thegorillaposition.com and a proud part of the Road Network, and presented by the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. We're also sponsored by Collar and Elbowbrand.com, where you can get 10% off when you use promo code JKPODCAST at the checkout. We're also in partnership with HypeCityVapors.com, where you can get 15% off all your e-juice for your vape by using promo code JKPODCAST can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching at TB Talk Pod. As always, I am Big Joe. I'm Carl Carafel. All right, Carl. Another week has come and gone in the professional wrestling world. And unfortunately, two weeks in a row, uh, we do need to address a death that has happened in the world of professional wrestling. This week, Ashley Massaro, Carl. Um, this one's, uh, there's quite a bit to this one, but still a lot of unknowns at the same time. Yeah, there's definitely is. I mean, um, authorities have gone through and said that there was no criminal activity that happened, mm-hmm. but that's really the only thing that's been released. Yeah. Now, taking a look at Twitter and Facebook and things like that from people that, that, that were friends with her kind of tells a little bit of a different story Yeah. Um, from the looks of things. I mean, just so that you know, people, she was only 39 years old. Same age as us, essentially. Right. She, she was, she was our age. Yep. She, um, she had a, she has a daughter, mm-hmm. uh, who is like 18 or 19. Yep. Um, maybe a little bit older something like that right now. Uh, Ashley had, had her daughter when she was young, but still went out there and, and, and pursued a dream, became a professional wrestler was part of a uh, diva search that happened. She won that. Got a uh, half a million dollar contract for a year with the company. Stayed around for a little bit longer with the company. Um, it never really had any significant title reigns no, when it comes to programming. But apparently she was, like many other famous celebrity people, uh, affected by... Uh, depression and some mental illness that happened. Yeah. Um, we don't know for sure if this was a situation where she um, deliberately lost her life or what happened with this, but we know that a bunch of her friends and colleagues within mm-hmm. the business have posted mental illness is a bitch pardon my language but yep. i mean mental illness is this mental Absolutely. illness is that you mm-hmm. know here's a prevention phone number if you ever need to talk here you go um <clears throat> one, one of the biggest ones for 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 me is is my friends um 
Noel and Big Vito. Big Vito. Uh, Vito Lagrasso, right? Uh, both of them took to social media and both of them said, whether you're friend, family, or fan, if you are going through something and you feel you have nowhere to turn, mm-hmm. message us. Yeah. Right? So that's the situation kind of right now that we're aware of revolving around the death of Ashley Massaro. Uh, do yourself a favor, actually. Go and take a look on YouTube. Find some stuff from Ashley Massaro. She she wasn't the most fluid in the ring, mm-hmm. but she could work. Yeah. She definitely could. She held her own with top stars in the professional yeah. wrestling ring. Had an amazing look to her. Had a great persona. She she really carried herself with such high respect for herself, yet made herself look sexy at the same time, if, yeah, if that kind of makes sense, right? Um, yeah, I mean, devastating loss, to be honest. And, and especially with the, um, the female workers from her time. Yeah. Yeah, they're really taking it hard. For myself, I mean, when she was really kind of, and she was very much featured, like she was very prominent, uh, used a lot on television and whatnot. Uh, it was a time period where I wasn't really watching a whole lot of WWE specifically. She wasn't really one of my personal favorites. Uh, subjective, you know, I didn't, in-ring work kind of is what it is. I know she's very popular with a lot of people. You know, like you said, you definitely had to look um, in an age where female wrestling was on barely on life support at that point. You know, and she definitely stood out the way that she looked and, you know, definitely um, had a presence. You know, and with this now, I mean, I'm just, you mentioned social media, seeing so many different things, you know, where with a person that age, and that, you know, immediately the assumption is suicide that everybody makes. And then, you know, we're seeing posts that, you know, she was looking at, you know, training to, to, to work again, you know, so, you know, there's even conspiracies that, you know, she was part of the, the whole CTS, that she suffered from CTS and that maybe, uh, you know, she was taken out before any kind of lawsuit or anything can happen with that, you know, the conspiracy around that. I mean, there's just, there's so many different approaches that I've seen to this thing. And, you know, quite frankly, people are making a lot of assumptions with not enough facts going on with this. And, you know, that's just a, um, a product of the time that we're in now where all the keyboard warriors think that they know everything that's going on and they don't. It's very true. They, they don't. So until we know more or more concrete information, if, um, just leave the dead alone, please. Um, just let her rest in peace. You know, once we find out more, then we can make more of, of, a, of a statement or judgment if you feel, really feel the need to. But until then, just respect people. Just respect. That's all I can say. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so going from that to something a little bit more of a negative. And another thing, again, where people are jumping to conclusions before really getting all the information here. And this has to do with the Ric Flair health scare. Now, everybody's like, oh, Ric Flair went in for emergency surgery. This is something he was... This was something that was actually planned. He was actually just going to kind of get something, some type of procedure. Again, don't really know the information unless you have that information, Carl, that, you know, just prior to the star cast and all this kind of stuff happening again, he just basically wanted to have some kind of procedure done. What it is, I don't know. But it wasn't like, it was like a late life-threatening thing and they had to rush him to the hospital. Not the case at all from what I have heard. I've, I've heard the exact same thing as well. I mean, coming from... <clears throat> Uh, Conrad Thompson, who uh, from, uh, I mean, I was like, 
two days ago old when I found out that Conrad Thompson is actually part of the Flair family. Um, he's like a, a son-in-law. Yeah. Right. So um, we're looking at, 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 at Conrad Thompson, who's gone out there to say, people, calm down. It was a, just a procedure that he was going in for. There was no rushing to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, his wife, as well, uh, went to social media and pretty much said, listen, we, this has been planned. This is a scheduled thing that was supposed to happen. He went in day early, pre-op, do all of this, get get everything done, figured out before the surgery, mm-hmm. and that's all that it was. There was no emergency rush to the hospital. Yeah. You know, so again, like I said, just people jump into conclusions and I get it. You know, these, a lot of these quote unquote news sources and whatnot, they're, they're looking for something to get people talking, to get those clicks and get people going to their sites and whatnot. I totally get it. But you know, it, it being people like you, you and I, you know, doing a podcast is we're still a form. It was, we're still essentially the media we're reporting about things. I think so, people are just, they're, they're reaching for stuff. They see something very marginal kind of happening and then they just, they embellish it to get people interested to, to click on their stuff. And I get it. But at the same time, you know, we need to, again, like I said, with the, with the Ashley Massaro uh, incident and now with Ric Flair, like we need to show a little bit more respect with these kind of things. I, I get the wanting to get attention, but this isn't the way to go about it. My opinion. Three biggest things that sell in this world. <clears throat> Controversy, sex, and death. Hmm. Harsh realities. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Okay, going from that to probably the, the, the bulk of the discussion of this podcast. And of course, we're recording on Monday afternoon here. We're one night, we're one day essentially removed from Money in the Bank. And before we kind of break down most of the matches here, overall opinion of the show in general. <clears throat> the show was on fire. Mm-hmm. Legitimately, I think for 2019, this is their best show that they have done so far. Um, I mean, WrestleMania, of course, it's got the huge grandeur and it's got, you know, all of that going for it. Right. Um, when I talk about pay-per-views for 2019 or for 2018 or for whatever, I never include WrestleMania because it's always going to be the biggest show, right? Not necessarily the best show, but it's going to be <laughs> the, the biggest, biggest show. So <laughs> no. for, for 2019 right now, I think that money in the bank was the most on point show that happened. Wow. I think we're going to have some very differing opinions on this because I really feel that there were definitely a few hits, but I think a lot of swing and misses in this, but uh, we'll, we'll get into that. So first of all, we had a bit of an odd match. It was just on the pre-show. We had the Usos in a non-title match against the team of Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan. Um, the champs getting clean pin, specifically Daniel Bryan getting clean pin clean in the match. Very, very odd. Very odd. I didn't quite, uh, this kind of was a miss for me. But, but why they're building, they're building, they're building a story right now. So now you've got the Usos that have gone through and, and, and pinned the champs clean in a non-title match Mm -hmm. this is now setting up for for future story this is now setting up for uh you know we beat you yeah we have bested you on pay-per-view 
we need to continue this and we want actual title shots Mm -hmm. because we know as seen, we can beat you. The only problem there is the story that they've been telling us and what Daniel Bryan has specifically been telling us is that they're the best and everybody else is essentially garbage. And then now this has happened and it just, now we're, we're, we're wiping the slate clean and we're starting again already. Cause he basically came on and said that the tag team division is a joke. Now, mind you, this wasn't on TV. This was a thing that was done for, for social media it was on, on, on YouTube and it actually should have been aired on the, on the TV show, but he basically called out the entire tag team division and saying, you, this whole thing is a joke. You know, we're, we're the ones that are going to, we're, we're going to take this tag team division. We're going to make it the main event and we're going to make it showcased. And, and it was a very good, good promo. And, um, if you had a chance to go and watch it and it just, it, it uh, kind of seeing this kind of happen. It's like, it, like they just, they change things. Like they just, it feels very disjointed after seeing that part of it. <clears throat> I mean, I, I, again, it's going to come down to story. It's going to come down to being able to do promos. It's going to be able to uh, come down to seeing more in ring action from them. You've got Daniel Bryan that's gone out there and and put out there that Mm. we're going to take this division and make it something because right now it's nothing. Mm -hmm. Well, then you've got the Usos that have now come in and just beat them. So now they've got ammunition to go. You said you were going to take this and make it something. Looks like we have. Yeah. Because we've come in here now and we beat you. So what does that make you? Makes you just as you have said and now you're absolutely nothing in this division. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's just building a feud. That's all it is. It's it's fuel for fire. Yeah, I, I get it. At the same time, it, it's a little confusing to watch, especially when you try and pay attention to it all. I, I get it in the context. If you haven't seen any of that YouTube or Facebook stuff, fine. But when you've seen this all other stuff, it, it just it makes it very confusing as a viewer to figure out what the hell is going on. Uh, at I, least for I myself. think the issue with you right now is that you want uh, just you want everything at face value. That's that's the way it seems. Yeah. Like you you just want okay, I'll, Daniel Bryan said this and Daniel Bryan said the division is I want crap, the continuity was what I want. said, you know, like they're going <laughs> to take it to the next level and they're going to be the top people and that's that's all you want to see now. Right? Because that's what he said, that's all you want to see. That's the bar see. that was set, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. To me Definitely. just so- but bars are meant to be overtaken. I get, I get it. But so to so quickly it just it feels like the continuity uh, it's uh, for me, uh, there's quite a bit of it in, in the show. Next, of course, uh, one thing too with this is if you're somebody who really pays attention to the details, and for me, like I look at the, what may seem very minor, but uh, to me, I see as big things is as we're kind of getting ready to, to transition from the pre-show to the main show, Naomi comes out, and then we leave, and then they do the whole intro thing, and then once all the beginning stuff really has started, we see kind of Naomi in the ring. Like I would just say it was a very weird kind of a transition. This is the basic kind of stuff. And this is even on the TV show that they seemingly have seemed to have forgotten of how to do just transitions from things to things to things. Uh, like uh, Rick Vickery from the Hidden Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Um, when Becky Lynch came out there, they basically, she came out and then stood in the ring while they did commercials. Lights go down and then they come back, then they turn their music up again. Like just, it's really weird stuff that they're doing. Just the basic stuff when it comes to the presentation that they seem to have just kind of... They don't know what to do anymore. Uh, so we had we had Bailey in this match. We had Carmella, Dana Brooke, Amber Moon, Mandy Rose, um, Naomi, Natalia, and Nikki Cross, who has seemingly gone back to her um, her crazy character, which I, is definitely a good thing. 
With this match, though, overall, it really felt like just nothing spontaneous. It just felt like it was very rigidly planned. We're just watching all of these specifically planned out things happening one right after the other. That was my impression throughout this whole match. It didn't feel like a spontaneous thing. Just because the thing with this, too, is that we've seen these types of matches so often that it's almost getting to the point where there's just nothing else to do in this kind of gimmick style match. Like that it's already all been done. There's no surprises anymore. Um, okay. First I'm going to, I'm going to touch on the <clears throat> Naomi coming out, um, ending the pre-show coming out and mm-hmm. then going into the main show. Pre-show is always put on for free. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Naomi is, one, you get the you get the lights, you get the uh, you know the, the 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 neon colors, you get you know everything from yeah. Naomi's entrance, and you have that show on the pre-show, mm-hmm. right? So then people are going to be, oh my god, that's the pre-show. The pre-show is ending. I kind of like that entrance that I saw there. She really pumped me up. Now they're going to go and actually want to watch the show. So I, there's that transition yeah. because if you just kind of ended it, right? People are going, well, okay, that was a pre-show. Yeah, okay, I don't need to watch anything more. But you give them just that little nugget of, hey, look, this is what's coming up right now. Yeah, and then you come in, okay. So so in that aspect, I get it. If that's the case, though, it. they should have just showed her. They should have done it like what they used to do back with, with Stone Cold in the day where they, they just show him walking around in the hallways and the locker rooms and whatnot. Just show them, okay, you know, this Stone Cold is coming out, you know, and then we take a break and we come back, then his music hits and he comes out, right? That, that always felt like a great transition that they did. That They could have done something very similar to this where they just show her, you know, we're, we're leading up to that. Oh, and it's, it's, it's her coming up. You know, everybody knows what her entrance is. So you, you build up the anticipation instead of just showing it right off the bat. But that's the thing. On a pre-show, not everybody knows what her entrance is. At this point, don't we all, though, if you're a regular viewer? If you, that's, that's, that's exactly it, if you're a regular viewer. Yeah. They are trying to put a pre-show, a free pre-show on there for those who are not regular viewers, right? Because their pre-shows go to Facebook. They go to yeah. Facebook Live. They go to YouTube. Yeah. They're all over the place. They're saturating themselves with these free pre-shows that they have to appeal to who hasn't seen this before. Yeah. So then you're going to get, you know, you, you've got your 100,000 people, let's say, that, that are that are the regulars and are going to yeah. be watching the pay-per-view. But then you've got these 10,000 over here that have never seen this before. Yeah. So just to show, you know, Naomi walking around in the back, as as, as you've kind of said, yeah. does absolutely nothing. But yeah. if you show a little bit of her entrance, then these 10,000 people are going to be going, wow, that's pretty cool. I need to continue watching this now. Now, see, that is me thinking, though, because we're, we're, we're doing this to draw on these people. You know, we see week to week the drop-off that happens during the show. How many of these people are seeing this and actually tuning into the show? How many people are just seeing this and just going, okay, I've seen that, and that's it? How many of them are actually, is that actually translating to them saying, okay, I've seen this, now I want to go watch the, the, the actual show? That's a real question that, that that's an unknown. Do we know, is this having the exact desired effect that you're, you're pitching? Because I get it. But is it really accomplishing that at the end of the day? That's the major question. And if I knew the answer to that, I would probably join this podcast from somewhere in uh, Tahiti or something and not from Brantford, Ontario, Canada. Right? <laughs> 
But I digress. You're right. I but I digress. Um, with this match, like I said, just it felt very, very much planned. And there was a spot. I don't know if you caught on to this uh, with Carmella and Mandy Rose. And I'm not sure if something legitimate happened there, but it very much came off as as a legit thing. And then Carmella was like, "Get away from me!" You could audibly hear her say, "You know, get away from me, get away from me." Like something happened there. And I think the issue here is that some of these girls are being thrust into this type of match when they're not really ready for it. I think Mandy Rose specifically, I'm pointing the finger at, not ready for these types of extreme matches. Not ready. What makes you say she's not ready? When you're hurting people. Like that. Something ba- with something basic. You're not ready. But... So, so, so one slip up means she's not ready. No, it, it's consistent. It's consistent with this kind of stuff with the, these girls. And I get it that they want to perform just as good as the men, but f- just physically, there's some things that they're asking them to do that some just either they're not trained enough well to do it, or just you physically, just anatomically, you just can't do it as well as the men can. You just can't. Like these jumping off of landing onto ladders and all this kind of stuff. It, it, it's got to be tough on some of them, especially if they're not used to it. I, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you're right. We're going to be having very different opinions on yeah. these things. I mean, I think some so of them eventually could up once means yeah. they're not ready. Because uh, uh, somebody has yeah. slipped up means that they're not ready. And, and then no, I think that's BS. Mandy Rose is definitely ready. I don't know. Right? I when they either. first introduced, you know, uh, the different ladders and stuff like that, you know, going back to the ta- ladder tag team matches, mm-hmm. Lita was in there doing all of that. Yeah. And then they transitioned to, you know, having Trish Stratus in there and doing stuff, right? Yep. And I mean, it transitioned to all the other women coming in there and doing stuff. And yes, you always had your little botch that happened. Yeah. Definitely you did, but that doesn't mean that that they weren't ready and that they shouldn't be in these matches now because of that. It's all a learning curve, especially if there's no way to train for a ladder match. To be fair, you had mentioned Leah, though. She'd been doing that for years down in Mexico and stuff when she was training with Ray Mysterio and all those kind of guys. She had some experience doing that kind of stuff. Some of these girls, this is like the first or second or, or maybe possibly third time they've been doing this. And I get it. You know, they want to get in there and mix it up and, and, and show the boys that they can do it. But to a certain extent, I mean, there's just a, there's a high probability of injury in these kind of things. High probability. There's a high probability of injury in these things with the men as well. Just because they're women doesn't make it any different. For me, just the, the, the just they haven't done it enough. To, to me, that, that's, that's the, the X factor there. Just the, the inexperience in these hardcore extreme type matches. And I get it. They could maybe eventually get there and with the right people. But, you know it's tough for me. It's tough for me. And people, well, this ties into the other kind of stuff too, but uh, for me, people were very surprised with Bailey winning. I kind of seen it coming a mile away, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Of course, Bailey winning that money in the briefcase, and we'll get to more of that soon. Then we had Rey Mysterio defeating Samoa Joe, essentially squashing Joe for that U.S. title. Wow. Um, Yeah. That was um, interesting, that one. Interesting. I, th- I honestly think that we're at a point right now with Samoa Joe where he's just unhappy. 
He hasn't gotten a big win since joining the company, since or at least from after post NXT. He's right. They've just really dropped the ball on him. And I and get I, it. I, I think I, it feels as though I can't speak for him, but it feels as though he's just unhappy with how he is being used in the company. Um, not going out onto the social medias and really, you know, complaining about it and, and making a big fuss about it at all. But you can kind of see it evident in his work. Um, he just doesn't seem like the same Samoa Joe from years ago. Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, having Rey Mysterio go out there and squash him, I, I it makes me wonder, is this something that Samoa Joe had said? Yeah, I don't care. Go ahead, let that happen. No, it felt really you know, throwaway to me. Joe, yeah. Hey, It just felt throwaway, just in general for me. Like it, it, It's something that should be a great match. I mean, you have Samoa Joe, you have, and you have a legend in Rey Mysterio, and just so much more could be done with that. And just it's, it's something that they've dropped the ball on. And I just think that they're just focused elsewhere. It, it should be a marquee matchup at this point. <clears throat> but not every match can be a marquee matchup. That is very true. That is a good point. Um, also, we had Shane McMahon defeating The Miz in a steel cage match. Um Good to a certain extent. Uh, I'm growing a little tighter seeing Shane in the ring again, to be perfectly honest with you. I get it. You know, he's the spot monkey that likes to uh, ride that fine line of uh, almost dying every time. Um, this didn't do a lot for me. Uh, honestly, me me either. Um, I, I think I'm... And a I'm weird ending. A weird ending. I wonder if that was supposed to happen like that. That was oh, strange. Probably. It's Shane McMahon. It's going to yeah. end how he it wanted felt weird. it to end. Yeah, it felt really strange. Right? Yeah. Now, I, I got I got a question for you. <clears throat> say that, um, let's say that this was Stone Cold and not Shane McMahon. Yeah. Would you feel the same way? Given the age of Stone Cold now, I would say yes. I would feel the same way just because, and remember Stone Cold is one of my favorites. He's number two behind Piper for me, but up to a certain extent, well, this will actually lead into a later topic in our episode. Once you, be, you get to that legend kind of status, um, especially now with some other interests kind of behind the scenes here, um, some of these guys might be tempted to take that, um, that extra money there to do some of this kind of stuff. And I, I just, that. Uh, I like seeing the legends as much as the next guy, but to a certain extent, you don't need to go out there and, you know, drop from the ceiling and land on a table to wow me. Okay. You can just come out to your music and slam a couple beers together and I am happy. Okay. You don't need to go out there and kill yourself for my entertainment. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, I just, uh, I was, I was curious. I yeah. was very curious. I, I, Shane's I, done I enough. Shane has done enough. You know, he, he's he bounced off a of glass and cracked his head off the pavement. Okay. If that would have been his last thing, I would have been perfectly fine with that. All this other stuff, it's just, it's extra stuff. And you're just, you keep punching that bump card and eventually it's going to be your last. If you push it too far, that's all I'm going to say. Perfect. All right. So going from that to, I Guess this would qualify as the the piss break match for the uh, for the event. We had the the cruiserweight uh, match with uh, Tony Nice against Arya Davari. Um, honestly, I didn't really watch much of this match. Again, this was the opportunity to go grab a bite to eat and use the facility. Um, Tony Nice holding onto the title. I can't really tell you much more about this. I really can't either. 
It's so forgettable. Yeah. It's a shame because the cruiserweight used to be this kind of thing, especially in WCW, where it was a, a nice. It was like the the kind of the the cherry on top of uh, the wrestling, where you, you, yeah we had all the main kind of stuff going on, and then the cruiserweights would come and then just put on a clinic, you know, and you'd be like, oh, oh, that's cool, you know, and then but now it's just like it's oh okay, it's the cruiserweights, um, fantastic, <laughs> you know, yeah, so forgettable, yeah, right. and I I don't know what there is that can be done to really fix that showcase them more the problem is that the people in said power positions don't want to showcase them clearly they don't want to yeah that's that's exactly it <laughs> you right? know um, but i mean you you ask the question there there's the answer yeah. right i know i understand they have their own show 205 mm-hmm. live on the wwe yeah. network that thing's gotta be on life support now it's gotta be on life support <laughs> but not everybody subscribes to the network that's the problem yeah. So you have to showcase these guys on your flagship shows, yep. Raw, SmackDown Live. Yeah. Yeah, they're in a weird spot, you know, where the the, the week to week people who watch just the, the cable television stuff don't see much of them, and then there's this thing that happens on the WWE Network, and it, it, it's a weird kind of in between, and they're in a weird limbo, and I, I just I fear that you know their days could be numbered with that, or it might just get looped into uh, NXT or something like that, and I could definitely see that happening at some point. Yeah. So going from that to we had Becky Two Belts, or at the time Becky Two Belts, versus Lacey Evans. And this is one of my low points for the evening. This is one of my low points. Um, I think that during this whole time of Lacey coming over from NXT to this, it's like it was all worrying about this character and doing the shtick of the uh, the catwalk thing and forgetting getting him to learn how to wrestle, forgetting him to learn how to wrestle. She looks so green in there. And that ending to that match was awful by everybody, including Becky in that one, including Becky. Honestly, I think that it was just nerves. If you go, but there shouldn't be nerves at this point. There shouldn't be nerves at this point. You had all of this time to get this ready, peeling back the curtain. We know that they take time to plan this kind of stuff out and and you go out there and you can't do it. That's tough. I I go back to one of our previous episodes. Have you ever been in a wrestling ring in front of a crowd that big? Personally, myself, no. Have you ever been in front of a crowd that big? I have been in front of a crowd that big, yes. To do a speech, to do something? Well, not necessarily, no. No. So you've never had the focus on Mm. yourself Yep. In front of a crowd that large. And I'm not comparing myself to her by any means. That's not not, not uh, the point of this here. The point is... No, that, no, no. Definitely yeah. not. Yeah. But the point that I'm getting to is she has never been in front of a crowd working but, that is that large. But she should have been by now, though. She should have been by now instead of doing this catwalk thing every single week. She should have already been kind of learning the, the ropes and they forgot to or they just chose not to. But she knows the ropes. She worked in NXT. Yeah. She's worked independent. It didn't look she like it. She knows how to work. It didn't she look like it. She had nerves get the best of her. Yeah. I think you're 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 shooting her down, which is totally unwarranted. Because she had got nervous because she, you know, missed a couple of things whatever because things might have looked a little sloppy in your eyes. She she goes out there and busts her ass all the time and she works from the independents all the way I through. Get- he gets nervous, and now everybody's crapping on her. I'm Come not, on, you go out there and do it. 
and 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 see if you can do better than she did. I'm not necessarily blaming her herself. I'm blaming the people booking the matches and the people behind the scenes and not getting her to work more week to week instead of just doing this walk thing. I don't necessarily blame her. She did what she could. But I think that she should have had more in-ring time from when she came up from NXT to now, and she would have maybe have been less nervous having done that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the situations be- be behind her just doing this catwalk thing. I, I don't know if she was nursing an injury. Yeah. I don't know what was going on, right? So, I mean, I, I, re- I really can't speak to any of that, but I, I don't know necessarily that they uh, really needed to keep putting her into the ring and putting her into the ring and putting her yeah. into the ring for, since coming from NXT. I, I love what they've done with her so far. Yeah. I love the whole idea of just having her come out and do this catwalk thing. I think she went out there and did a phenomenal job mm-hmm. at Money in the Bank. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to be critical on anybody that might have – you know, gotten a little nervous yeah. or what have you. I, I can't, I can't be, I can't be yeah. because I've been in those situations. Yeah. But it's uh, even the, 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 rever- the, you look at the ending when, 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 um, Lacey had Becky's shoulders down on the mat, the referee did not even have a one count there. Her shoulders were down for two, possibly a little bit longer, maybe two and a half. And then they've, somewhat kind of flipped and then did the submission and she tapped like instantaneously. It just, it was a very poorly executed finish. And I'm not just blaming Becky. I'm not just blaming Lacey and I'm not just blaming the referee. It's everybody kind of involved. It just, it was executed very poorly. It looked very amateurish in what should have been a marquee title match. Unfortunately it's live and there are no second takes. Very true. Very true. So then, as soon as that match is done, as, I mean, as soon, Charlotte comes out and uh, defeats Becky Lynch. And then, after that, um, in what I'm very surprised that people found this so surprising because I saw this coming a mile away, way before it happened. Bailey does the expected thing that we we're all expecting and cashes in Money in the Bank and pins Charlotte Flair. I'm amazed. Truly amazed, Carl, that people are shocked by this and didn't expect it to happen. Can't believe it. I don't understand. I didn't expect it. As soon as they they kept going in the in the ring after the match was done, I knew it. Bailey's coming out to cash in. You could see it coming a mile away. There wasn't going to be anything there. They would have already have played the music and have faded away if they weren't going to do anything. They telegraph it too much. And it's been done to death already. That's why, I, to me, the surprise factor just wasn't there. It was like, okay, I saw it. You know, it's great. And I think they put it on the right person. But I just felt that it just, it felt so played, like it's just been done. I don't know. Honestly, I didn't, I didn't expect uh, Bailey. Yeah. I expected somebody else. You just showcased Bailey. You just yeah. had her win the Money in the Bank ladder match. You just, <sighs> she has that briefcase now. She could run with that for a little bit and build, you know, on, on the Bailey brand. So while Becky Lynch is in the ring getting beaten down by uh, Charlotte and Lacey Evans, because Char- Charlotte was <clears throat> essentially won with an assist from Lacey Evans, who mm-hmm. came down to the ring and, you know, right-hooked Becky Lynch in the face. Yep. Um, so now the two of them are beaten down Becky Lynch. I I... 100% 
could have seen anybody else come out and I would have been happy with it. Anybody else come out and make the save, I would have been happy with it. Because that would be building upon more story going further. How cool would it have been? And you know what I was expecting? What? Nia Snacks. I was expecting Sasha Banks. <laughs> no. We know that she's going to, we know that she's angry. We know that she, she she's upset. We how awesome would it have been if WWE had said, This is where we're showcasing you. We're gonna start a showcase with you now. You're gonna go out there and you are now going to take on these people, right? Charlie just got the belt back. You're gonna go out there and help Becky Lynch, which is now gonna start a story between you and Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And this is what we're going to do for you. So, yes, yeah, Sasha Banks could have come back. Yep. You know, Natalia could have come out. You could have had, um, you know, we saw earlier Nikki Cross was kind of in this new subdued type of Nikki Cross gets to Money in the Bank and she's gone back to a little bit of her crazy self. We see Nikki Cross come out again in a little bit of a crazy but more subdued, right? It could have been absolutely anybody. So, I mean, for me, the only thing that wouldn't have been surprising if it wasn't Bailey, then I would have been surprised if it was anybody but her. I, so for, why? I, why? Because why? the because the win on the night and the cash in the same night has been done so many times. I just knew that they were going to do it as soon as all the shenanigans were happening after the match. I was like, Bailey's coming out. I know it, and sure enough, it happened before my eyes. I guess I'm, I don't, I'm just, I'm conditioned to the way that they, they do things now and I can see, uh, maybe it's the, just the little things that I spot and that I pick up on and I see history repeating itself, but I saw it coming, man. I saw it coming. All right. <laughs> I, I don't know what more I can say about and, it. And like I said, I don't disagree with, with the choice of person. I, Bailey's the right one to do with, but just the, the way that they did it was just so expected. So expected. I, I would have rather it, um, for me, especially when you have a full on baby face, like Bailey, like that, the money in that spot is to have her chase that title over a period of time instead of just boom. That's something that a heel does is cash in pretty much instantaneously like that. Now, could they turn Bailey heel? That's a different possibility too. And we'll have to see coming up this week on the programming. So going from that to Roman Reigns versus Elias, not much to say about this. It was literally a 10 second, um, go out and destroy Elias while he's doing his shtick yet again. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm honestly getting very tired of that. <laughs> 10 seconds. Like it, it's, it's something that, I mean, it's not even something you could say that you really filled much time with. It's something you could have done in the pre-show, honestly. Um, or maybe even on the weekly show, but to do it on a, uh, on a show, I guess, yeah, I don't know. It felt. I mean, uh, they filled about ten minutes. Yeah, with Elias they doing uh, ten minutes worth of a match. He went it electric was in the back. Yeah. In the back, you saw uh, Elias yeah. hit Roman Reigns with a guitar. Yeah, and then you see Elias come down to the ring, takes an electric guitar, gets into the ring, does mm-hmm. his little thing, and then you see Roman Reigns come out. As Elias is making his way to the back, Roman Reigns comes out, hits yeah. him with a Superman punch, throws him into the ring. Ten second little thing where he gives him a spear and then pins him. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I, I love the whole um, Elias character and what they're doing with it. Just but doesn't translate well in the ring. For the love of Jeebus, 
give him some ring time. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they just they don't think that he can um, that he can hack it. That, that, why would they even put him into this type of a? Who knows? Like, like I I think it's something to because I, I think that Roman still I think they're still protecting him a little bit. They don't want to throw him right into the fire just yet, you know. And and I get that. You know, you want to protect one of your your top guys because uh, he's probably still not a hundred percent. To be perfectly honest with you, and I get it. I get it. I think that's the reasoning for it. Yeah, that could very well be. So going from that to the match with Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles for the WWE Championship of the entire universe. Um, This was a great match, Carl. This was a great match until Seth kicked out of the Styles Clash. I was really, really good on this match until that happened. That's the only issue that I have. Because why do you always have to find a negative in something? The list of people this was a a great. This was a perfect match from beginning to end. The problem is the list of people who have kicked out of the Styles Clash in a clean position like that. You can count on one hand, and to me, this it feels like it sh- really should be one of those moves in wrestling where it is a match-ending thing when it happens, and it wasn't. So we've already broken that, just as you alluded to. There's a handful <clears throat> number of people mm-hmm. that have kicked out of it. Yeah. So your universal champion on your quote-unquote flagship show of the company, <clears throat> what better way to put over that person than to have them become number five, mm-hmm. let's say, that has kicked out of the styles clash. Yeah. It's perfect storytelling <laughs> in my books. Yeah. Uh, like I said, you know, it was, it was a great match. I just, I, I, I feel like it's it just, it, um, uh, it, it's, it's hard to, dis- hard to, to kind of explain it. it, it it's great, but just, it, it felt like, uh, that uh, just that spot that should have ended the match or at least uh, have ended it with, uh, with AJ turning heel. I think that that would have been a great opportunity to, to do it. I, I, they, I know they, they did the, the show. They did the, uh, similar to the, the code of honor and ring of honor, shaking the hands. I, I get that. I do like that, but I think that that was the time to make AJ a heel. That was the time to, they may do it. Yeah. They may do it this week. Um, they're, they're too similar of a character, and you have two baby faces so similar to each other. You, I think you need to have one of them be a foil. I don't think you do. No. I, I really don't think you do. Why Why does either one of them have to go heal? You have enough heals yeah. on the program. Yeah. You have enough. <clears throat> so why do we have to take, just because two guys went out there and had an amazing matchup, and they're both baby faces, why do we have to make one of them a heel now? We don't have to. You have enough. True. Both of them, keep them the way that they are. They had a phenomenal matchup. You know, pardon the pun, but they had a phenomenal matchup. They both put on an amazing show. There was absolutely nothing that I found flawed with this match at all. It was was great. I I get it. And um, like I said, I knew that going into this, we were going to have some differing differing opinions on it and... That's perfectly fine. We're never going to agree on everything 100% of the time. 
So going from that to Kofi Kingston, the WWE champion versus Kevin Owens. This was a good match. It just, it, it felt like, you know, I, I just, I want so much more for Kevin Owens with this whole thing. It, great match. But I just, I feel like he's been so damaged, so damaged. I don't, I don't know necessarily that he's, he's been damaged. I mean, he's had his own issues himself. He's had his own uh, health issues and medical issues and stuff like that. Yeah, I get it. Um, so, I mean, again, you got to kind of figure most of us that, that are hardcore fans have seen Samoa Joe over the years, whether mm-hmm. it's in, you know, TNA, whether it's in ring of honor, no matter what company he's been with, where he has not had the amount of workload yeah. that they have within the WWE. So he's able to go out there when he was working for ring of honor and put on top 10 stellar matches yeah. because that's all he had to do once a week. Right. Right. Now he's going out there and because you've seen him put on amazing clinics in different companies. Now people are expecting him to be able to do that in every single match that he has, mm-hmm. whether it's on television or in pay-per-view setting every single time that we see him. But the fact of the matter is he's now out there working four days out of the week, yeah. sometimes five or six <clears throat> days out of the week, as opposed to just the one day. So yeah, no, uh, unless you are inhuman, there is no way that you can give the same that you had in the independence on a full-time basis within the WWE. Yeah. But when they did the whole thing with him doing the big O thing with with the New Day stuff, and even Kevin himself has been very critical. He felt like that that turn from him being with them to being the the heel, even he said that he felt that that was just way, way too soon. For me, I would definitely agree. Um, But, you know, just... More so than that, it just it feels like you know his first run. You know he he, he was winning titles and whatnot. Just it feels like he's just been downplayed since this, and I just don't want him to turn into a laughing stock. That's my biggest fear. It's Samoa Joe. Yeah, I don't think that, or it's Kevin Owens. Sorry, <laughs> um, I I don't think that he is going to let himself become that. I hope. Yeah, he, he has enough pride and enough. Uh, talent that if need be, he all he has to do is say, I'm sitting out. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to release me from my contract, but I, I quit. Mm-hmm. That's it. I'm not doing anything more for you. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You can just let my contract run and lapse. I don't care. Right. Like, I don't think that, that Kevin Owens would keep himself in a volatile situation. Mm hmm. Before we get we get to the, the main event here, I have to just back up to the, the AJ Styles and Seth Rollins things. And it was something very uh, seemingly probably minor to most people, but for me, it was something uh, like it felt like a really big foul up because I'm somebody who you know when we do this podcast, I go through and I edit the audio and I, I really try and like find two things to make things sound really good, you know, and not have things kind of in weird order or whatnot. At the end of that match, they actually played AJ's 
music. Seth had just won the match, and then they they, they played AJ's music, and then they were like, oh, oh, oh. We, they they cut it, and then they they played it played Seth's music. It really felt. Why are we having production issues like us at this point with this company? We shouldn't be. That wasn't a production issue. <laughs> it sounded like it was. Seth they, Rollins won the match. Seth Rollins' music was playing. AJ Styles was leaving. No, AJ Styles came back into the ring, shook his hand as a sign of honor, solidarity, whatever it is. And then because AJ was now leaving, they played his music quickly for him. That's all mm. it was. It was a matter of AJ know, Styles was the bigger person and went in yeah. there, congratulated the, the champion. So we gave him, we played his music for, for, you know, a couple seconds with whatever there, by the time AJ Styles got halfway up the ring, they, because the camera was still on him. Then they switched it over to Seth Rollins music and went back into the ring with Seth Rollins. That wasn't a mess up. That was totally planned. That's exactly how that was supposed to go. Like I I said, you know, this might just be my perspective because I'm somebody who's really picky about uh, audio and whatnot like that. When I hear something like that, it just immediately was like issue. Right. But you know, you may be correct, but I have a feeling it was a bit of an oops there. It it could be a combination of the two. I'm telling you, there was no oops there. Yeah. Go back and watch watch other matches where stuff like that's happened. It mm-hmm. is a constant that they do that. Yeah. Where the loser will go back into the ring, shake the person's hand. Their music plays for a little bit, and then it goes back to the winner's music. Yeah, you may be, you may be it, right. It's happened many times before, and it's going to continue to happen. Okay, so going from that to, like I said, to our main event here... Um, <laughs> this one might get a little touchy on this one, but we had the money in the bank ladder match for the uh, for the man here. We had Ollie versus Andrade, Baron Corbin, Drew McIntyre, Finn Balor, Randy Orton, and Ricochet. This was fantastic. They went for probably about I would say time wise, I'd say probably about eighteen minutes or so. Lots of great spots, lots of crazy kind of stuff here. Uh, I'll let you kind of give your opinions about the match, uh, for at least for, the, for that first bulk of that, uh, what you thought of that part. All of it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they all went out there. They put it out on the line. I mean, there were some some crazy spots that happened, right? Like, I mean, uh, a power bomb onto the ladder, yep. um, onto a ladder that was set up between, uh, yep. you know, on the rung of a ladder and then the ring ropes. Right, like that. That's probably the biggest highlight, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, from that uh, from yep. that actual matchup, right? Yep. And and I believe it was who, who was it? Was it Ali and Finn Balor that that? Um, I know Ricochet went through one of those big ladders as well. Okay, <clears throat> yeah. Um, I, I do. I if, if I remember Finn yep. Balor bouncing, yeah, off of that yep. ladder, right? Like that. That for me, that's what sticks out in my mind. Yep. Um, but I mean, other than that, like the, the entire thing was great. And, yeah. and I mean, we're, we're going to get to the ending, which I loved as well, but I mean, we're, we're going to come to the ending uh, very soon, but what are your thoughts now on the matchup before this <laughs> ending? Happened? Again, I'm right there with you. I thought that the, the, the first 18, 17, 18 minutes of this match were fantastic. You know, they, they hit every necessary spot for a ladder match. Lots of great stuff. Lots of wow. Lots of holy S moments. And then what happens? We have Brock Lesnar. The, first of all, the ring is is clear. Brock Lesnar comes out, sets up a ladder, climbs up and grabs the briefcase without doing anything else. 
This had me seeing red, Carl. I mean, I'm as much of a Brock Lesnar fan as the next guy, but all these guys gave their heart and soul in this match for seven-eighths of this match to have a guy come in and not even do an offensive or defensive maneuver and climb up the ladder to the briefcase. To me, (laughs) I might be overstating this, but this is just a giant middle finger to all of those guys that busted their ass in that match. I think you're seeing red has temporarily blinded you mm. because Ali was on that ladder. Well, Ali was yeah. right at the very tippy top yeah. of that ladder. He had the briefcase in his hand, holding it from the bottom, reaching up towards the top to unclasp it. And then Brock Lesnar's music hits. Brock Lesnar bolts down to the ring. Ali <clears throat> standing up there in shock. Lesnar comes in, pushes the ladder over, yeah. which then there's his offensive move, takes yeah. out Ali, sets up the ladder, climbs it, takes the briefcase. I am very yeah. happy with the way that this yeah. ended. You went out there and you had Brock Lesnar doesn't need to go out there and put on a huge spectacle yeah. to get over with the crowd. He's already over with the crowd. Yeah. You had all these other guys who you can take and showcase in different aspects, go out there. They did an amazing job with that ladder match. Each one of them got to showcase something great from themselves. Now, had Brock Lesnar come in and gone on the offensive with all of this, it would have made all of them look like they are absolute trash. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No. Smartly, they let all of them go out there and do exactly what they do and put on an amazing show and then have Brock Lesnar come out there, do absolutely nothing to overshadow what they've done, but take the briefcase. Yeah, see, to me, it has the reverse effect. Like, especially if I was, you know, specifically Andrade and Ricochet. I mean, I get it. I mean, you knew you were going to lose despite of everything you've had to do, but I would be just, you know... Yeah, I know beyond character wise and whatnot, I would just I would be so pissed to know that I did all of that only for this guy to do the least amount of all of them to to win that. There's gotta be some bitter feelings there. Gotta be. You would think. Somebody's gonna be bitter in this. Somebody. Okay, I'm gonna put this out there. If you are going to be bitter over being able to be showcased in an amazing... It's not a matter of that. the bank ladder match. Let me finish. Let me finish. Make the amount of money that you have because of this ladder match, and you're going to be bitter because you didn't win the match? You're going to be bitter because someone came in and they put the, the briefcase, gave the briefcase to somebody else? If you're going to be bitter over that, get the hell out. You do not deserve to have a spot in the WWE. You were there as a worker and essentially as an entertainment actor. You go out there and you do the job. If you are pissed off and upset over that and have hurt feelings, take your butt hurt and go somewhere else because it doesn't belong in the WWE. That's what you're there to do. I get I understand. I understand that feeling. At the, at the same time, I mean, there's in some way, I don't know, For just for myself as, as a fan, I mean, I would just have loved to have seen specifically 
uh, neither an Andrade or a Drew McIntyre um, to, to have gotten this. I think especially a Drew McIntyre. I mean, he was... He was so forgettable in this match. Didn't really do really a ton. I can't really remember anything specifically that he did. So I think somebody like him, I don't know. It would have been. It would have gotten so well over with me. And again, I get the whole Brock Lesnar thing, the part-time uh, ass kicker and all that. I get it, but at the same time, it's it left a bit of a, a bitter taste in my mouth. And well, you I feel differently, and it's all good, man. It's all good. We feel differently. It is what it is, yeah. man. It is what it is. Yeah. So it, it, this actually turned into one of the longer discussions that we had about a pay-per-view in a while. You know, we're already at like uh, almost an hour on this recording and mainly just talking about this. So this is a good thing you know, for those of you listening who think this is just me and Carl arguing. This is a good thing. This is going back to you know, when it was the Monday Night Raws. I mean, we used to debate about this kind of stuff, you know, because up until this point, it's very, very much like, hey, you know, this happened, this happened, this happened. And we all kind of agreed with each other. So the fact that there is a bit of a push and a pull here, in my opinion, is a good thing. Oh, it definitely is. And for us going this long, talking about a pay-per-view, yeah. I go back to uh, my sentiments at the beginning. Yeah. This pay-per-view was <clears throat> one of the best ones of 2019. It was on fire. I disagree. <laughs> anyways, anyways, going from that to uh, to something uh, pretty cool, I think that we can all kind of agree on, uh, on multi-fronts here. AEW, we know now they are going to be on TNT this is a big thing. And one of the cool things that, that, that I kind of saw, I don't know if you picked up on this or saw this, but they did a, a thing. It was straight on a Monday Nitro with the AEW with that flaming kind of logo that looked like Monday Nitro. That would, uh, I got like goosebumps just kind of thinking about it now. Right. <laughs> yeah. Turner, Turner uh, Network, the Turner <clears throat> Network is getting back into the wrestling business. Specifically, Turner Drama, not Turner Sports. Turner Drama is going to yeah. be the ones behind this. And you look more into this too. What's going to be interesting is, and I will thank Jargo for hitting the marks on this to, to uh, spot this and, uh, and talk about it. They're going to be covering the production cost for this. That is big. That's a big deal. And especially if it's going to be going for more like a story TV show kind of um, perspective here. Um, I'm even more interested now than I was before. You know, there's still a lot of unknowns here, but we're, we're learning a little bit more. And you know, like Cody said, that he was they're going to leak things out kind of slowly and not just spill the beans all off the bat. And, and I, I do appreciate that. And um, th- th- this has me legitimately excited now because I, we didn't really know all that much, but we got a little bit more information to kind of uh, whet our appetite here. I the only the only thing that worries me with this. Mm-hmm. Is is it going to turn into something like a Lucha Underground? I get it. That's, I get it. And I don't get me wrong. I yeah. love Lucha Underground. I think yeah. that what they have done with Lucha Underground was was phenomenal. It was great. It was it yeah. was amazing to see kind of a soap opera esque yeah. show come out as you know based around professional wrestling. Yeah. Uh, I fear that we're going to have the same type of thing yeah. with AEW if they're running production. And then are we going to run into a situation like we have with Lucha Underground where they essentially, not that Turner Network would, would be, um, you know, out of money, yeah. but are they going to say, we're giving you too much money for this I, production, yep. then they're going to have to step it back. Because that's essentially what happened with Lucha Underground. For those of you kind of wearing, they they essentially um, kind of went beyond their means. It's like somebody, you know, just um, 
spending money that they don't have essentially is it kind of what happened with Lucha Underground. Um, yeah. I'd be less, con- I'm a little less concerned for AEW just because it's the Khan family. And I would say they have bottomless pockets, but at the same time too, you know, this is a big deal with uh, the, the production cost being covered regardless of whether it's more of a, um, of a humble kind of an ROH type of feeling, which it may be something similar or whether it'll be like a heavily produced kind of in the can, um, fine tuned kind of a thing, which I'm hoping that it'll be and not just a live presentation. I, I, I'm hoping that they, that it is a tape show and that they really control the content and, and really fine tune putting something out amazing. I think, and I think that's the approach to go to. And I think that we're likely going to probably see a, a Wednesday um, time slot as opposed to a Tuesday, which puts it up head to head with NXT, by the way, it's going to put them pretty much head to head with NXT, which is interesting because it's essentially the same demographic watching both shows. So it'll be interesting to see um, how popular NXT remains once this happens. Time slot I can't speak to because I haven't seen any information other than they're looking at Tuesdays because they have, mm-hmm. um, you know, gone for copyrights on Tuesday night, uh, Tuesday night that, Titans, I believe. That was very early um, on, though. Yep. Um, when it comes to making it more of a taped show, mm-hmm. honestly, I hope that they don't mm-hmm. because yeah. what do they keep saying? They keep saying that they are a professional wrestling company. True. They're not an entertainment company. Yep. They are a professional wrestling company. Yep. Now, if you start to tape shows and you start to do a second take or a third take or a fourth take, you are now becoming an entertainment company and not a professional wrestling company. Yep. That's all I'm saying on that. Very true. And um, I think I'm, I'm excited to see either kind of approach there. So something else going with uh, AEW here, and specifically with Double or Nothing. Now, I, I'm seeing some very varying kind of opinions on this, which is actually has me scratching my head a little bit. Um, so we had a matchup between Adam Page and Pac going into this thing, and it looks as though there's some type of disagreement i guess or or, um basically they weren't on the same page creatively or something like that pocket and the people with AEW, he's essentially out for uh for double or nothing from what i'm seeing but people are saying no no this is a this is a work to build up a storyline for this whole thing i'm not buying that I, i i think that he's actually out i think that this guy is probably i think he's this is a little risky to say but i i think that he thinks that he's more special than he really is and For it's, those of you who don't know Pac, uh, formerly known as... That's Neville. Um, what? That's Neville. Yeah, yeah, formerly known as Neville in the WWE. No. Um, so, uh, I, I, it's still way too early. I have no clue. Yeah. I have no clue what to think on this right now. Um, we know the situations of Neville and the WWE where essentially he said, I'm not being used properly and I want out. So they just kind of let him go. Um, It would make sense for storyline. It definitely would. Right. Because the fans of AEW are, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of rude to say, but the fans of AEW are essentially um, bitter WWE fans. So they're going to know and understand. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. With, yeah. yeah. So they're going to know what happened with Neville and the WWE. Yeah. 
so why not make a storyline out of it? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's very much, uh, uh, this is probably as risky as I'll ever go in this podcast, but there's a meme out there where it's Le- Leonardo DiCaprio and he's kind of standing here and he's got a smug face on it. And it's like when somebody calls you a bitch and they ain't wrong, it's kind of like a, that kind of a situation, you know? And even when you look at, uh, AEW's website and you go through their roster and you go down to Pac, right below that, uh, they almost kind of like have a nickname for each guy and you see Pac and it says bastard right under it. So uh, the, yeah, there's a possibility and it's still listed as a match on AEW's website. Believe it or not, if you go there, it's still listed there. So. Yeah. So regardless of whether it's a work or whether it's not, it's sparking some discussion, which is still creating more interest in this, which is still a good thing. Yes. So going from good things to potentially a couple bad things here, although I think the second one has changed recently. Um, we know there's a couple of people that have asked for their releases from Impact Pro Wrestling. We have Scarlett Bordeaux and Killer Cross have apparently both asked for their release from Impact Scarlet Bordeaux, especially that's that's a big blow to impact. That that's that's your big eye candy. That's your big uh, female draw for that show. And I think that if you're Vince, I think you're drooling over the fact that she's uh, out of that company now. Well, I mean, for those of you who don't know, behind the scenes, uh, Killer Cross and Scarlet Bordeaux, um, they're they're in a, a relationship. Yep. Um, Right? They're in a romantic relationship, the two of them. They're boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever you want to call them. Yep. Um, so I, I I wonder, and I know that there has been rumblings for a while that Killer Cross has been wanting to get out of his contract mm-hmm. and get out of Impact Wrestling. Yep. Uh, is this just a matter of Scarlett saying, I want to stay with my boyfriend or I want to mm-hmm. stay with my significant other? That's possible. And that's why she's asking for her release as well? It's definitely Makes possible. Because we saw a similar situation with Andrade and Charlotte Flair, right? Basically, they kind of got separated there, and they were like, oh, no, no, and they actually allowed that to happen. It kind of threw a wrench into that whole superstar shakeup thing, but that's uh, besides the fact. Um, and also, we uh, there was a third name tied to this, although I th- I'm pretty positive when I'm seeing that the situation has changed because Jordan Grace was also a free agent. Like, I don't think she asked for her release. Her contract essentially expired, but before recording, I actually saw that it looks like she has renewed a, a contract with impact wrestling for the time being. She uh, looks yeah. like she's still there. So thankfully, you know, cause she's one of their main talents there. And it, again, we mentioned it before, if you have not seen a Jordan Grace match, uh, do yourself a favor and go and watch. She um, she is somebody special in the women's wrestling division, not just in Impact or anywhere, just just specific, just in general the women's wrestling. She's one of the real standouts right now, and you know she doesn't look like your typical female wrestler. That's what's kind of intriguing there is that, that, that I won't say average looking is the right way to describe it. She just she has a different look, but she just she has everything that you want in a really good female professional wrestler, and. Just do yourself a favor and go watch, and you'll see what I'm talking about. It explain it, it. It's one of those things that explains itself. Yeah. So going from that to something that I, I guess you could argue it's it's kind of old news, probably for most of you out there. But this was something very recent f- for me. Um, for a while now, this documentary has been, has been out, and specifically, this is the HBO documentary on Andre the Giant. Of course, probably the, one of the first real legends in the professional wrestling business. Um, finally, got to sit down and watch this, and I gotta say, just uh, in general and just overall, wow. I mean, just so well done on every front. 
what a life and what a career. Uh, and th- this is really understanding it, to, to be perfectly honest with you. What, what a life and what a career this man had. Even not, even not just in professional wrestling, just in general, this man's life is just legend in every manner, in every respect, man. Incredible. HBO has always done amazing things when it comes to their documentaries. They, they really seem to hone in on that uh, factual yeah. um, stuff when it comes to whoever they are doing a documentary on. They really don't go out there and do any of the um, smut or, or any of the grasping at straws for different things. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I mean, I've watched this documentary several times. <laughs> yeah, uh, for me, I, I it was it was emotional to watch it, yeah. and I know, like you and I, kind of discussed this as well. And and it's it, for me, anyways, it was emotional to watch. Yeah. Um, uh, my father was able to actually meet Andre the Giant uh, in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, at one mm-hmm. point. Um, I wish I would have gotten the chance to meet him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, like, like he, he just was, was the most gentle giant, I guess is how you could describe Andre. And they really brought that out and brought that mm. through in this documentary. But they also let you know that, you know, if you pissed him off, he had yeah. his other side too. Yeah. If there was anybody that personified the expression larger than life, it's Andre the Giant. Uh, he, he probably, if you were to look up that expression in the dictionary, um, his face should be listed right there. I mean, the, the man just, every aspect of his life is just full of legend. You know, whether it comes to you know, his experiences in the ring, whether it comes to, you know, the issues they had with his drinking and all that kind of stuff. So I just, uh, the, the man's it's almost borderline on it's going to turn into like a myth almost essentially at some point it's going to be uh something that i think that as fans of wrestling i think it's something that's always going to be talked about i mean the guy was the first person in the wwe hall of fame i mean just and for for me though the the real interesting i thought you know not to downplay anything else in this documentary because it was all fantastic for me the part that really draw me in that drew me in sorry was the match with the talking about Yes, this is something to do with Hulk Hogan with the match at WrestleMania three, and some of the behind the scenes kind of stuff there. There's some I, I thought I knew a fair amount of what happened there, but to learn some of the real kind of inside stuff there, I found that so interesting. And it, yes, it was coming out of Hulk Hogan's mouth of all people because I am not a Hulk Hogan fan. I may have been very vocal about that, but even listen to Terry Bollea. I'll, I'll call him in this situation because this was not Hulk Hogan talking. This was Terry Bollea talking to us here, and to to hear how essentially Andre kind of dictated what happened in this legendary match, I found that fascinating i found that fascinating that pretty much until the moment they went out there hogan did not know what was going to happen and i don't think even vince knew they were just it was like andre's calling the shots on this one <laughs> essentially yeah that's exactly yeah. what it was hogan goes into very great yeah. detail about that match and really gives you a uh, an inside perspective of not only the fear but the love that everybody had mm-hmm. for him i mean you you loved the man so much that yeah. you allowed him to take control yeah. right he didn't have to didn't yeah. have to at all hulk hogan could have said i'm the biggest draw in this company 
yeah. it doesn't matter what you say. We're doing things my way, yeah. right? But then you run the risk of Andre, you know, shooting on him. Yeah, just, very weird. You know, yeah. So you you had that fear. So yeah. you were afraid of the man, yeah. but you you couldn't help but love the man as well. You talk about the. Uh, uh, all of the lore behind Andre the Giant mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, fabrications that have been made up about him. I mean, Vince McMahon and Ric Flair talk about those <laughs> as well, right? Yeah. Like, uh, at one point, you know, the news was going around that Andre had two hearts, mm-hmm. right? And, and then they talked about Andre the Giant having a second set of teeth. Yeah, uh, two rows of teeth, his, yeah. His first yeah. teeth, right? So, I mean, like, you always had those kind of, of uh, kind of out there, uh, things and, about him. And of course we'd be remiss to not bring it up. That probably one of the most comical and one of the strangest things probably about Andre was his love of flatulence of farting. And he would supposedly let go some of the most legendary farts that any human being has ever had the displeasure to experience. <laughs> Go to YouTube and see if it's if it's available there. I haven't looked because I have the documentary. Yeah. But just just look up Andre the Giant farts <laughs> and see if it brings up some some oh, of what him. has been talked about in that documentary. Yeah. So and and uh, kudos to HBO again yeah. with this. I mean, for them to go and 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 really get a perspective from all the professional wrestlers, <sighs> but also to go and get a perspective yeah. from the cast members from the Princess Bride. Yeah. You know, he was he was a very big pivotal role inside that movie, The Princess Bride. So to hear from Billy Crystal, to hear mm-hmm. from Carrie Elwes, to hear from um, Robin Wright, yeah. right, about their experiences with Andre on yeah. the set gave you a whole other perspective as well. And another thing with this too, because you know, for a good later portion of Andre's life, I mean, he clearly knew what was going on with him and and there were opportunities to, to seek medical attention to possibly you know at least slow the progression of what was going on with him he chose to not do that because he was really of the the mindset that you know this is the way that I was brought into this earth to be and this, this is the this is what God essentially gave me and and he felt that you know that would possibly change that. Like he, he felt that, you know, that this is a gift that he was given and that if you were to change it, that would kind of take away from things, you know? So he lived life on his, um, under his conditions and it wasn't going to let anybody dictate that. And, you know, so, you know, God bless him, you know, and I, for, for those who know me really personally, I'm not really a big religious person per se, but I mean, God bless Andre the giant. And, you know, he, I think that this is maybe a weird way to kind of say it, but I'm going to say it anyways. The way that Andre passed away, I think, was almost kind of very fitting for the, the life and in what he had to go through. I mean, the, the man essentially, to break it down for you folks here, he essentially died of a broken heart, for for lack of a better term. And sad to say, it almost kind of is a fitting way for Andre to have gone out. Yeah. So if you haven't had a chance to see this documentary, I mean, if you're a wrestling fan or if you're just, if you, if, if you like good documentary films at the very least, you know, go and check this out. I dare anybody to be disappointed by this. You know, it's going to be enjoyable regardless. And like I said, if you're any self-respecting wrestling fan, go watch this and, and you'll really get an eye into it and you'll see what really professional wrestling was really like back then. I wish that some semblance of that could come back, but I mean, there's never going to be anybody like Andre. Never. Ever no, again. Never. All right, Carl. So 
excuse me, we are running a little bit long here, but we're going to take a brief break and we're going to come back with our showstopper segment. And this is going to revolve around titles, more titles and more shows and whatnot and everything kind of revolving around that. So we'll take a brief break here and we'll be right back. Independent contractors in the professional wrestling industry, if you're looking for a way to put the power of the media in your own hands, contact Pinned LLC. Pinned LLC is media and marketing for the professional wrestling industry. It's your one-stop, one-click online profile and so much more. With Pinned, you'll receive a full background story, photo gallery, an interview conducted with you, links to all your social media and where you can be booked, and yes, a 60-second custom television commercial all about you. Get more info today. Email pin.biz at gmail.com. That's pin.biz at gmail.com. Or click the icon at thegorillaposition.com to get more info about PIN. Remember, get connected, get booked, get PIN. Hi, this is Abbas, host of Tables, Abbas and Jazz. And you're listening to Turnbuckle Talk on the Hit in the Marks Podcast Network. Cheerio. Alright guys, Big Joe and Carl Carafello back here on Turnbuckle Talk. Yes, we are, guys, and we have come to that special moment that we like to call our show stopper segment. Yeah. So this week, Carl, we have uh, well, that kind of changed on the fly before we hit the the recording here. We were originally going to talk about something else here, but I thought that this would be better. It would kind of tie into what's been going on here, what's going to happen tonight, actually. Um, Mick Foley is going to be unveiling a new, and I think that this term is important, new title. Not a, they're not wording as a championship, they're wording as, as a new title. Um, before we get into this here, because the greater topic that we want to discuss here is, you know, is there room for more titles and more shows and more stuff like that? First of all, this new title, what do you see it being? What, what's your prediction about what this title is going to be? One of two different things. Um, you and I kind of discussed this a little bit last night. Yep. Um, I could see because WWE has um, kind of kind of recently and quietly kind of changed back to like a, a TB14, uh, MA14 kind of rating um, once in a while. Hmm. I'm, I'm kind of seeing that, right? And then you've got... Um, blood that happened last night on the show. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got Mick Foley, who's going to be announcing this. Mm-hmm. Um, what better way now uh, for the Fox network who wants a little bit of edgier content yeah. to get that edgy content by bringing back a hardcore title belt. Mm-hmm. So that's number one, hardcore championship. Number two, we just had Vince McMahon come out. And Vince McMahon decided that he was going to introduce the wild card uh, happenings with people and the shows. So let's bring in a wild card championship that is going to be defended by whoever the holder is on main roster and NXT shows. 
Okay. So we've got those two. The, I mean, those those are my my kind of thinkings after I kind of wrap my head around things. So we've got the hardcore championship and the uh, wild card championship. Okay. Yeah, I, I could definitely see those. Uh, I think uh, half of mine kind of is uh, similar to yours, but my other one is very completely different, which I'm, I'm happy about. So the my, my first one would definitely be that uh, that hardcore championship. Um, I mean, McFoley um, unveiling it is definitely kind of a bit of a hint there. Uh, my only concern is twofold. Um, if a hardcore title is going to be coming back, it needs to replace a title. It needs to not be an additional one. Um, um, my immediate um, feeling would be replace the U.S. title maybe with it, but that's kind of a of a, a strange possibility there. And as well that I just don't know if there's going to be enough extreme content to justify a title for that uh, type of thing, unless they decide to go down that path again. Uh, my other um, thing is is that this is tying into the Saudi thing, and that Mick Foley is going to be unveiling a Legends championship i think that that is the more likely thing and along with that i have some very 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 large concerns about this said thing and this ties into the beginning of our show last week with silver king dying in the ring he was a bit of an older kind of guy we're gonna be having legends we have mick foley here you know that possibly with enough money they might be able to draw him in if we have too many of these aging legends competing in the ring carl ooh, there's a potential for some disaster here and i don't mean just bad booking or poorly executed matches i am saying that somebody's gonna die in this ring if they're too if they're not careful if they bring in too many of these legends and push them too hard we're gonna have some issues I can definitely see that. And I don't want to see that. I don't want to see Mick Foley or some of of these, one of our childhood heroes. I don't want to see one of them go out this way. I don't. For the sake of a little bit of uh, of extra money in your pocket, it's not worth it. Very, very true. Very true. You know, for this extreme, um, I I would rather see the, the hardcore title than this legends title to be perfectly honest with you. Um, even though it may just be another additional title, I would rather see that than to see one of our heroes go out with something as foolish as uh, as doing a Saudi match for uh, for these guys and then to, to have them die or something like that. Just I know that's thinking a little extreme here, but I mean the potential is there if not done properly. Um, what would you are you figuring that you're pretty much set on the um, now, what about this wild card one? Do, do you think that there's maybe more of a potential in that, even though it is just an additional title? Honestly, I think that there could be. I mean, how many t- championships are we going to have? Then it's going to it's going to even more crowded. Eh? There's a, as many as they want to have. I mean, you've got so you've got the, the, the these people, and and I mentioned it earlier, right? Yeah. If you're not happy, get out. True. Right, but the WWE wants to be this leading force in sports entertainment, so they're going to want to try to please as many people as they possibly can. I get it. So if that means bringing in another championship belt for you know ten people that are that are upset, mm-hmm. um, would you rather just bring in another championship for for that, or would you mm. rather lose those ten people? True. Right. Like mm. I mean, that's. That's where I'm seeing this whole thing, right? So 
that's that's the biggest thing. Or do we want to lose people, or do we just mm-hmm. bring in a championship that's going to appease these people for a while and let it run its course and then move on? What are the possibilities that I won't say that they'll, they'll call it this, but I think what about the the chance of them unifying the um, the WWE title and the Universal title? What are the what are the chances of that? Pretty I slim. can see it. Yeah, definitely, I can see it. I mean, it's something that that's been talked about for a while, right? Yeah, I think so, a, a brand new redesigned WWE title and getting rid of the the other one and the Universal title. I think that that would be the the high road to take. Um, these other ones, I just I feel that it just makes things even more crowded and kind of convoluted. And that Legends title, which I think is a good strong possibility too, I just I have too many fears around that with these. Uh, with these aging talents <laughs> roughing it up in there. I would much rather see or the, the two marquee titles, just unify them, whether you want to call it the undisputed title or just the WWE title, whatever it is, just combine them. I mean, guys are crossing over brands anyways. Um, I don't say that that brand split is totally dead, but I mean, it, it pretty much is essentially for, for especially we're doing this wild card thing anyways, just unify the title and, and just be done with it. I think that that's the way to go. I, I think so as well. I mean, that's something that we've talked about before, and I think that that's a, uh, a very big possibility and a good thing that they that they yeah. should do. Yeah. Why not? For do sure. we do we really need the two different titles on no. on uh, different brands? No, no, you know, no. Just have one championship belt, and that championship is defended across both shows and you just see and you have more people vying for that title instead of splitting up that group like let's, let's say theoretically you have 10 guys and 10 guys now you have now you've already by doing you, you double the number of contenders and the people vying for this title and it just it, it makes it more prestigious and more and more value to it at the same time instead of splitting it so i would yeah. i've always kind of felt that way so but even going with with uh with, with your thoughts there right like i don't want to see now 20 people for this one title right let's bring some prestige back to the intercontinental championship yeah you've got your your 20 guys across both shows well no whittle it down to your 10 to go for the world championship those other 10 are now going to vie for the intercontinental championship which is the stepping stone to the world championship and bring that prestige back. That's a good point so too. Instead of twenty people <clears throat> at one title, you've still only got ten, but you got ten more to build that other belt. That's a great point. And we mentioned before too, where that intercontinental title really was that stepping stone to to the main event. Whereas now you have guys that that win the world title before they win the intercontinental title. So then you get that impression or that feeling where it's a step backwards, which is not what it's supposed to be. The intercontinental title was the stepping stone to the main event. That's where you yeah. really honed your skills and you really really worked to to gain favor with Vince McMahon or and everybody in charge. That hey, I'm the main event guy. I want to fly for the main title now and that's what it should be and i think that making that the 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 furthest up title make it just one title and i think then it would filter down to that and go along with your scenario which i totally agree with yeah all right carl that's a good um way to wrap things up here we had some great discussions about uh, a lot of things this week we covered a lot of territory this week man but before we wrap it up let's make sure and talk about our sponsors 
Sponsors include HypeCityVapors.com. If you are a vapor like myself, go check out HypeCityVapors.com. You can get 15% off your entire e-juice purchase when you use promo code JKPODCAST. As always, I am wearing my collar and elbow brand hat. Go and check out CollarAndElbowBrand.com. The link to our little space there is available on all of our social media, which can be found at TB Talk Pod. Go check out collarandelbowbrand.com. Use promo code JKPODCAST and get 10% off your entire order, including any of their clearanced items. And of course, to listen to the podcast, you can find us on Podbean, which right now, actually, if you guys aren't aware, uh, if you haven't f- been following our social media, uh, we're actually in the featured section of Podbean there. And a little uh, news break for you, Carl. We are very fastly approaching 1,000 followers on Podbean. So a very cool thing there. The, the numbers have been climbing since we've been featured on there, and that's been very cool. And of course, we are featured on iTunes, Google Play, and a lot of those other podcatchers out there. And as well, of course, we are powered by the GorillaPosition.com and a proud part of the Run Network and part of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast Network as well with tons of great content there to check out. Whew. That's a lot of stuff. All right, Carl, let's wrap it up and we will see you guys on the next one. See you real soon. Tired of mainstream media lies and deception? Need a hard dose of reality? Put on your sunglasses, swallow that red pill, and tune into London Rising, your epic mix of music, news, and freedom. Tune in weekly with me, your host, Gunstar Hero out of London, Ontario, Canada, as I mix up breaking news, hard-hitting commentary, trigger warnings galore, and eclectic epic slate of unforgettable music tracks, including metal, punk, classic rock, country, and even some hip-hop in for good measure. Only on the Podbean Network.